0: Shooting it raw? Yes.
1: Shooting it raw. It's a memory keeper. It's a way to snapshot a piece of your life, and to then be able to go back and remember it or to share it with other people, especially if somebody's not with you in that moment. You get to capture it and keep it forever.
0: Podcasting remotely can be a real pain. It's quite challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster has this all-in-one web-based platform and makes the process really quick and easy. That's the way it should be, right? Just focus on the podcast. So let's talk about the quality and the challenge of recording online. So Zencaster gives crystal clear sound and really nice HD video. I know I don't use it, but it's there. Now, that's not even to mention how easy it is to use. Like, even for my guests that aren't even that tech savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and everything from local recording to automatic post-production in the tool. You don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. Maybe you want to make podcasts as well. I mean, I think it's a great idea personally. Obviously, I'm running one. I think you should make one too. It's easy, just do it. I actually use Zencaster. If it sounds great, that's because the platform works. And if it sounds like crap, that's because I've done something wrong. But Zencaster really does give me amazing quality for my guests. If you go to zencaster.com slash pricing, blah, blah, and enter this promo code, look, it's already long and confusing, and I'll just make it easier by putting the link and the promo code in the episode description. If you do that, you get 30% off your first three months. So that's actually pretty sweet. So look in the description for the link and the promo code and then you get 30% off to to start doing your own podcast. Do it. Go for it. Zencaster. Glorious! Okay, so uh, Randy Lee, is it Bauslaw? How do you say your last name? Bauslaw. Bauslaw. M, oh, Boslaw. Okay. I'm a Canadian. I say bow. So bow, Boslaw.
1: I'm Canadian, too. What? Ah, uh, yeah. Where I'm are only you? I'm like 2 hours from Berlin. I'm by Niagara Falls. I'm in Welland.
0: Oh, ah, okay. Okay. I didn't know. Okay. This is this is great. Uh-huh. Surprise. Hi neighbor. <laughs> I'm like 200 kilometers away from you or something. I don't even know.
1: I know when you were like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be going back to Toronto." I'm like, "Ha! I That's go there funny. all the time."
0: Okay. Um, well, first of all, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Totally gonna get to know you. And I haven't seen the photos you sent. So I would remember. Yes, that's right. Right.
1: I don't even remember what I sent.
0: Well, yeah, that (laughs) happens a lot because people send the photos and then usually it takes a few weeks to kind of get there and then, uh, we discover. So shall we go to your first photograph and then learn all about you? Sure. That is a sweet portrait. So it's a professional looking uh, portrait. You're in a studio of some sort. Um, Your chin is on your hand. Your hair, like your hair is this beautiful. Yeah, violet, brown, purple. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice.
1: Thanks.
0: Uh, did you get the hair the hair done for the photo shoot? Or?
1: No, I just really like purple hair. It just doesn't stay very long. So it's right, hard to keep it. it up.
0: Right now, you don't have purple hair.
1: No, right now, I think it's almost my natural color. All the colors run out of it.
0: Okay, amazing. The background is this very ash tan color. There's a, a shadow that could be from a chair or something behind you. Uh, you're wearing a nice black sweater with stars, your knees are up, so it's a very kind of, I mean, it, it, it's a strange pose to put your hand on, your chin on your hand like that, but you're looking right at the camera, you've got, oh, you've got beautiful eyes, look at that,
1: Thanks.
0: very nice, okay, so the, the, the title of this photo is Headshot for Podcasts.
1: Yeah. So that that's, that's like the one that I just, I use that for everything. Um, it's also the cover f- uh, picture for my book I released last year, Embracing Me. And I'm not in a studio. I'm actually at one of my clients' houses because nice. um, I'm also a personal trainer.
0: What? Okay. And she
1: does, yeah, and she does photography, but she's never done, she's never actually done uh like portraits of people before she usually does landscapes and animals that kind of thing and i was like hey can you do this for me she's like sure i'll try um and it turned out beautifully the so light
0: we, is very pretty
1: yeah we we went around her house in, in different lights and she was opening curtains and closing curtains and moving the chair she i think she was having a lot of fun with it. i was having fun with it too and then sure. um, we tried a few different poses and the leg up with the hand thing like you were saying was for the book, I just thought because the book is embracing me and it's about, like, loving yourself. So I'm trying to, like, keep myself all, like, in.
0: hmm Okay, your book. Okay, fantastic. Your first book?
1: Uh, no, that's maybe number five. Okay. My th- it's my third nonfiction.
0: Okay, okay. Um, okay, so my background is creative writing, which I got at Concordia Ooh. in Montreal. So, so why don't you talk to us about your, your, how you landed as an author?
1: Yeah. So I've been writing my whole life. I used to, I used to write like a newspaper for my house about what show I was watching and make for my mom read it. Yeah, yeah. I'd make my mom read it. <laughs> <laughs> and my aunt, if she was over my grandma.
0: Nice. Yeah. It
1: was, it was nothing real special, but it was special to me. For sure. Um, and, and I'd write like little skits and plays and make my cousin act them out with me. So nice. I've always liked writing and then as a teenager I used it I would write a lot of poetry and use that as my coping mechanism for my depression and so my very first book I released it in 2017 Mm -hmm. and that was just all the poems that I had written as a teenager because I didn't want to throw them out but I didn't want to leave them in my basement collecting dust (laughs) so I wanted to do something with them so that's what I did after I published that first book I'm like oh I like this this is great I'm gonna do it again.
0: Nice. And again,
1: and again, and again, and <laughs> again.
0: Okay, so your most recent title is called. Okay, what's it called again? Please remind me.
1: Well, my most recent nonfiction, yeah. which is the one we were talking about is called "Embracing Me."
0: Embracing Me. Okay, so I'm mostly a nonfiction writer. I'm essentially a nonfiction oh. writer. So, what uh, walk us through this book? Like, what if somebody who's listening, you you want to inspire a listener to kind of go out and get this book. Why? Why did? Why did you write this book?
1: Uh, to help other people feel not alone when they're dealing with their mental illness. So mm. it it talks about my journey with depression. But more importantly, it talks about how I came to terms with it. So I like to say, I have depression. Depression doesn't have me. And that's like my favorite saying about mm. it now. Because at first, it feels like this big flaw. Like something is wrong with me. Like there's this thing I need to hide. This big big old illness that needs to be hidden away, locked in a closet. Um, And it doesn't. Mm. It's just just a Mm -hmm. piece of who I am. It doesn't rule me. Um, But it took time to come to that. And so I wanted to share that with other people and share what coping strategies I had used and shared that if you want to go to therapy, that's okay. If you want to take medication, that's okay. You got to do what works for you. Yep. And then on the flip side of that, I wanted – People who are maybe, maybe they're not dealing with a mental illness themselves, but a family member is, and they want to understand them more. So, this book can kind of show them what their family member might be thinking um, Mm. or feeling and how your language to them can either hurt them or help them.
0: Things seem to be improving over time, right? So, especially now, there is a consciousness around mental health uh treating mental health of course you're going to run into people who are just kind of dumb and have stupid ideas but i'd be really surprised and shocked if i'm surprised and shocked when somebody doesn't just go like meh okay yeah mental health issues whatever
1: yeah you're right it has become more discussed and more aware about the fact that it's real um But there's still there's still this big disconnect between having it and getting proper support for it. Okay. Now I don't know how how it's been in Hong Kong or or in other parts of Canada, since we're both Canadian, but here in the region I live, it is hard to get appropriate mental health care. Okay. Because it's not it's not funded the same way as our physical care and even even chronic illnesses, um, physical chronic illnesses are also a hard one to get proper care for. If you can't, if it's not an immediate or visible illness, then it's not taken as seriously by our healthcare professionals. Um, Mm. you can't, you don't get to the psychiatrist as quickly as you should. You don't, and and I mean, with medication, it takes time to find the right one and the right dosage as well. So, I mean, that, that's a struggle all on its own, but to get the therapy side of things, it's not an easy process. If you do manage to get a referral, you're on a wait list for who knows how long. Um, If you are able to pay for it, that's great. But most insurances don't cover enough for more than a couple of sessions and a couple of sessions Mm -hmm. don't do you much. So Mm -hmm. you're right. It is. There's a lot more awareness. I think a lot more people are okay with the fact that it's around, but there's still this big lack of real proper support for it
0: mm-hmm so so the, the podcast has had a few um, counselors a few clinicians a few therapists um, because the podcast reflects what my interest is in so when you said oh it takes a while to figure out what your treatment uh, modality or or approach is like for some people it, it might just be therapy and for some people it it might be medication yeah yeah for me the therapy was kind of like Okay. Well, you seem to be okay, but everything that's happening is just physiological. So for me, it just happens to be medication. Okay. So how does your book wrap around that? Like what, what does, how does your book uh, approach that?
1: Um, So the book, like, because it's nonfiction, it's my story. So I'm not a therapist. I have worked in social services. I have taken um, oodles of psychology classes in college, university. So I do have a bit of a background um, and I do put some research into the book. But I just I like to preface by saying, you know, it's all from a personal perspective. Which (laughs) Um, is important. But yeah. And so the book talks about like there's an entire chapter on therapy and an entire chapter on medication. Because for some people, there is a stigma around one or the other or both Mm -hmm. where it's if I admit, and and this was one of my biggest issues, if I admit that I have this mental illness, that means I am a failure at life. But this is obviously not true. This is like I said, this is how I was processing things. Um, I'm a failure at life because I see myself as a horrible person or that I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Her. And if I reach out for help, I'm admitting that I am not perfect. Mm. Nobody's perfect, but I have a perfectionist complex. Okay. <laughs> um, and so the, the one chapter around therapy talks about how it came to be that it came to a point where I had to go and talk to a therapist because I had made a plan to end my life. And oh, I was wow. like, Ooh, there's a whole plan here and it's, it's a pretty easy to do plan. Oh, wow. And yep, I got to go talk to somebody. And so it talks about how you can give yourself permission to do this because I think that a, a big problem is that many people are like me. They don't want to admit that there is a problem. And that goes for people having heart attacks mm-hmm. too. They don't, a lot of times people go, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Meanwhile, they're in the middle of a heart attack. So th- this isn't, just mental health that this happens to it happens with a lot of different illnesses or diseases and that's we have to give ourselves permission to go and seek help when we mm-hmm. need it whether it's for a heart attack or for our mental health and then on the medication side I approach it kind of like how you're we talking about where it's like is this a physiological thing Does, will medication kind of fix what is what is going on? Will, will it give me the right amount of hormones that I need or whatever? Because mm. um, for some people, that's what's needed. And that is one of the things that helped me. So I, I did the combination of both medication and therapy because I wasn't without the medication, I wasn't going to absorb the therapy right. as much as I could with it. And same goes for my kid. He, he's been to therapy many years. And when he wasn't taking medication or wasn't on the right medication, it was a lot harder for his therapist to get across the information right. to him. Right. Um, whereas now that he is on the right stuff, they're, they're cruising through their therapy sessions mm-hmm. and you know, the time between sessions is much longer than before. So yeah, you said it before you have to do what works for you is basically the bottom line. If you need both, that's fine. If you need one or the other, that's fine. Like you just, you have to figure it out. It's, you just got to play with it. Mm -hmm. All these different tools. So
0: once again, so the listener will have the title of your book in their heads. What is it again, please?
1: Embracing me.
0: Is there a sub, a subtitle or is it just embracing me? Nope.
1: Just embracing me.
0: Fantastic. Would you like to move on to the next photo? Sure. Unless you want to add something else.
1: yeah, don't I, I can't remember what the next photo is. So <laughs> tell, me, tell me, what I what I sent you.
0: Okay, so it's, a, it's called speaking, and it's okay. So you're standing. I'm assuming that's you. It looks like you. You're standing <laughs> in a, a in a room that is probably air conditioned because you've got a shawl over your shoulder. You're holding.
1: Oh
0: yeah, a, yeah. Okay, okay. You <laughs> you remember the shawl. <laughs> yeah okay so you're standing on like a what looks like a dance floor behind you is a really tiny stage with a drum kit on it and i guess uh there was a band a small band there's a the, the band isn't on the stage but there's a guitar there's the amps there's a screen uh there's the lights kind of on the background there's so you are just it's a medium shot of you so we see your full uh body length sort of standing speaking to like you're kind of aiming to the people off camera i guess you're talking to an audience a member or to the group yeah it looks like a like not a huge uh venue it looks like a small venue from the little that i can tell because you can't see very much of the dance floor or anything but uh so yeah speaking what's this
1: yes um so i love speaking in front of people
0: okay (laughs) it's a big
1: part of what i do which is why i go on so many podcasts okay um when I, when I was little, I was going to be a famous actor because just, I love being in front of people. I love sharing my story. I just, I love, I love it all. Okay. Um. So that picture is actually from my very first 2017, my very first book launch. And so there was the publisher that I went through. They did like this little event for all of the authors that had published that year. Oh, great. Um, and it was also a fundraiser event. I can't even remember what it was for because... 2017 so mm-hmm. long ago now mm-hmm. um, like 3, but there was, there was like a, right um and so there there was dancing there was um like a silent auction there was a bunch of different things and so that was my chance I got up I got to speak and I, I just because I love speaking so much and that's and I've spoken in front of other groups but I couldn't find any of the other pictures mm-hmm. um <laughs> mm-hmm. so I went with that one and uh yeah that's just I just love speaking in front of people and that's that's where i want to take my career direction is to speaking to groups either about mental health or writing or anything really i okay. do talk about anything
0: okay well that's i mean um certainly in in my experience of you you seem to be uh using your words very nicely bravo uh Thank i'm enjoying you. this um so how does the, cause t- to be a writer is a, a, a sort of a, a lonely path, you know, pursuit, like you're, it's a very solo kind of, usually it's not a social uh, pursuit and, but you understand that you're producing it for an audience or for a reader. And that is like always kind of aware of the, the, the dynamic of reaching an audience and compare that to theater and drama where the audience is right there and then compare that with speaking public speaking where you can see like you're you're very much you're talking to the people directly
1: yes they're all interconnected they're all different forms of art Mm -hmm. really so i i love it all i i even love drawing and singing i'm just not very good at it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, i love all art stuff nice um and so you're right when when you're Writing a book itself, it's very much a singular job. I don't have anybody else around me. I'm usually just in my, one, my office at home by myself or with my cats, usually my cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do it by yourself, but you're, you're doing it for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And keeping that purpose in mind is so important while you're doing it. Because once, once the book is written, it doesn't end there. So, being an author is so much more than just writing the book, right? Like we have to come on podcasts like this, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where the public speaking comes in, and the um, going going out to different places, doing events and things. That's where you can get that interaction, which is a, a nice balance because sometimes I just sometimes I just don't want a people. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's a nice balance between being able to get out there, do the speaking, um, doing the the podcasts or YouTubes, um, and then also having my alone time. Yeah, just focusing on what I want to focus on.
0: Right. Well, I've had a few um, authors on the podcast. I mean, authors are good because you know you've spent a long time, you know, chewing or going through your thoughts, and then. Are, you know, articulating it into a book form or something. So most authors want to talk about their book and first time authors are usually a little bit surprised that, that, you know, they think, Oh, I, I wrote the book. It got published. And for a month the the, uh, excitement and the energy was there to maintain the momentum, but then after a while it just kind of fizzles and, and then they kind of learn the hard way that, well it's hustle it's like you have to go out there and you have to talk to people and you have to kind of it doesn't just run away by itself like it, it needs it needs like that that curating or that that it's like a farmer you have to kind of you have to constantly tend to your to your book to have people learn yeah. about it um, so this particular book when did you publish it
1: uh, which which one the the one we were talking about before, or the oh okay, the one we were talking about before.
0: Well, how about all of them? Yeah? all of them. Talk about all, all of them. W- yeah.
1: Oh my goodness, there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> <Do> them. <it. laughs> because i I like to say I follow my dopamine, so mm-hmm. I have written. I think somebody counted because I said it was over ten. Um, somebody oh, counted nice. said I had fourteen. I somebody counted said, said I had fourteen. Because uh. clearly, I can't keep track of it. Um. But I like to say, I follow my dopamine. So I have the three nonfiction books um, published in 2017, 2018, and then last year, 2021. Amazing. Um, And so two of them about mental health. And then the other one is about raising my kid that has autism. Okay. Um, And again, it's that wanting people to not feel alone. Right. Because the worst thing is feeling alone. Because you lose a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. Because you you can't just go out with them whenever they want you can't just find a random babysitter like it it takes a lot of work and a lot of doctor's appointments um and then i've written a handful of kids books because they're just they're so much fun to write um and i have a grandson so i just i like i I could write those and i could read them to him you have a grandson I do. He's two, and he is adorable. You
0: look and sound so young. Like you, you must have had I your am. first child when you're eight. What?
1: <laughs> um, no, my husband had his first child when he was got it sixteen. And it. So it was, it's what? my stepdaughter. Okay, yeah. got, it, got it. Got it. Wow. It's my stepdaughter, but uh, we've been together for fifteen years. I love so it. I mean,
0: I love it. I mean, I I love the. So, one okay, a couple of things to, that kind of feed into this. One is one of the, the podcast um, uh, guests I had a long time ago uh, was she was kind of, you know, we're talking about the, the importance of diversity in a commercial context, right? And, okay. and she's like, well, you know, we know that the data is out there that the real true diversity in, in, a, in an organization or in a network or whatever in life is the strength and so i love meeting people where the story you know there's a kind of picture of what a, a normal well no not normal what a typical person is like and that picture is oh you know no mental health is perfectly fine uh the family looks like x the the growing up looks like y all that that stuff but actually that's that's just one little slice of the, the thousand different configurations and you know you, you're to, you're super young and you have a, a granddaughter amazing
1: grandson grandson yeah.
0: grandson amazing
1: he's awesome I love him
0: oh okay okay so so I also really really i mean I just learned a great new phrase which is you follow your dopamine yes ah oh, dude that's amazing that's great so talk about Thanks. that for a second talk about that for a second.
1: So because I go on all of these podcasts and I I talk about authoring, Mm -hmm. um, being an author, it's always, oh, what do you write? Because most authors do stick to a certain genre. They, you know, they write nonfiction or they write kids books or they write whatever. Romance. Um, Romance, exactly. Sci-fi, horror. I don't, I don't stick to a genre. Now, I, I definitely haven't done certain ones Mm -hmm. but i've i've done the nonfiction. i've done scary stories i love horror all things horror Mm. i've done that um i've done the kids books i've done social stories i've done teacher kid how to read stories so like i just i follow what makes me happy nice and the other question i get a lot is do you write every day No, because my dopamine doesn't tell me to write every day. So no, I don't. Mm. (laughs) And people are surprised that I have 14 books out because when I'm in a great mood, when I'm in like a high, um, I just go and I I can get out a lot of content. And so I I use it to my advantage and do that and get out as much as I can. Um, And when I'm having a low Maybe I just brainstorm some ideas, clean my house, Mm -hmm. play with my animals, hang out with my kid. Like there's other things to life than just work. Yep. And so I like to follow what makes me happy. And so I follow my dopamine.
0: That is okay. So here's how what you say resonates in my in my noodle. I feel that because you have had to kind of think about and process and deal with your own mental health and in the same way with myself um for me it was since like 2009 so, since the uh, financial crisis so that was the oh, yes. that was the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak yep. um and since then i've had to kind of develop the, the understanding the language and the concepts but also the the kind of the models and the examples that Let's me talk about and and think about my own mental health landscape in the same way as you did, right? So you're like you follow your dopamine. Now, do you feel that that in order to become that kind of person and to have that kind of understanding, that you kind of need to go through the the roller coaster of mental health issues?
1: That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, I'm not going to say that you need to because, I mean, people can do amazing things without going through tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. It's my new favorite word, okay. tumultuous. Um, but it definitely helps because when you have gone through really hard times or dark times or painful times, it makes you appreciate the good stuff all the more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, in, I mean, that. what's that movie? Um, what's that movie with all the emotions, the kids' movie?
0: Jackie Brown. No. I don't know, no. I know, I know. I think it's called, uh, wait, wait, uh, uh, Inside, Inside Out. Inside Out. Inside Out, yeah.
1: There we go. Awesome. So that, if you look at Inside Out, it, it shows it perfectly. Without mm-hmm. sadness, there is no joy, mm-hmm. right? So as much as you try to avoid the sadness... How do you understand what joy is without it? So I don't think you have to have gone through such extreme, Mm -hmm. horrible times, but you do have to have gone through Mm. something.
0: Well, Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, to to bring it back, actually, you said your husband has diabetes. Yeah. And so my brother uh, has type 1 diabetes. So he has diabetes since the age of seven or eight. Um, and. Like he has a really uh, he's had to to build an understanding of of blood sugar and glucose levels and you know management and that that kind of stuff because he's had to live through it and so you know if he had if he was on a podcast and he you know had to come up with a phrase and or and if that was his way of of expressing himself, I'm sure he would have you know follow the insulin i don't know i mean you know
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep, I totally get that.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, um, I'm excited to go to the next photo. Aw, way to speak of the devil. Okay, so, uh, you see, now that I know that you're Canadian, uh, (laughs) Ontario no less. Uh, So it's a photograph where the photographer is probably about 30 feet away from you. Uh, we're using a sort of slightly telephoto lens it's in the fall it's uh, definitely uh, canadian autumn you guys aren't wearing it must have been a warm day because you aren't wearing like super warm clothes but there's uh, a, a nice man with a, a haircut that is very similar to mine uh, <laughs> kissing the top or it looks like kissing the top of the head of I, i'm assuming that's you just very beautiful. So the, the tone of the image is all browns and and autumn and grays. and, and you're on, I remember
1: that photo now. Of course. <laughs> you were there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's by, I guess, by a lake. Because in the background, you can just see a flat area. So maybe it's a lake or it could be a field. It could be a farmer's field. Probably October, I guess. September. Yeah, family. Go for it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that is my husband and me. Aww. Um we got family photos done last not last year, the year before last. It's almost, almost 2 years ago. Before COVID. Um in the middle of I think during one of the random openings of COVID. Oh,
0: wow, nice.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, because my grandson was born during that time cuz we we had him in some of the photos.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um and so it, it was a really nice day. It was November, the very beginning of November, oh. which is shocking that it was so nice that day. Mm-hmm. It was a cool breeze, but it was really nice. Um, we got lucky because I was worried it was going to snow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do snow. I <laughs> uh, love um, Canada. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, And we went to, what's it called? Queenston Heights, mm-hmm. um, which I had actually never been there, even though it's in my, like it's where I live. I've never actually been to it. People tell me it's so nice. um, And it was. <laughs> um, And yeah, we, we took some family photos and the photographer was like, do this, do that. And so she's like, well, kiss, kiss the top of her head. And of course we're laughing because we are not a lovey-dovey couple. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I love you, but you stay over there on that side of the couch <laughs> and I'll stay on this side of the couch. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Okay. So somebody listening to this from Hong Kong, for example, is not used to seeing the ground like that, where it's like matted, tamped, short grass and covered with uh, these orange-brown dead leaves. And behind, it looks like a maple tree, which no frame of reference. There's like the grays and the orange, the beautiful brown of it all. And it's like the image itself is quite beautiful because it's like, you're in a, in a space where there's a lot of room around you and it feels very open and it's like it's only you two, like in the photographs, there's I mean you can see in the background evidence of like human construction, like there's a path and there's like a deck and all this stuff. But yeah. but it's it's um it's an intimate moment. And I don't know, it, because you're a couple, he probably whispered something uh I don't know, a little kind of funny because your laughter is is obviously uh genuine
1: yeah i think he said something about how like this is so weird we don't like being this close (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay well he probably said something like that
0: so with the, the photo looks great it's a great photo but why why is family why is this photo one of the windows we're looking through
1: because it's cute no (laughs) um because it's it's a big part of my life Mm -hmm. like I spend a lot of time with my family I tend to like my family I Mm -hmm. say tend to because sometimes they bug me (laughs) as they always do um but it's I wouldn't be where I am today without my family Mm -hmm. especially my husband he has been with me through thick and thin. Like I said, it's been 15 years together with him, 10 years married this year. And so we've been together our entire adult lives. Oh, wow. And yeah, I, I would not still be here. I wouldn't have written all the books I've written. I wouldn't be doing all the things that I'm doing um without his support. Mm-hmm. Um let me see. He won't get a big head because he never listens to the stuff I do. (laughs) (laughs) So we
0: can say whatever we want.
1: (laughs) That's right. Um, That's how you know it's genuine, too. (laughs) Sure. But that's how we are. We're silly. And I love that about us. It's just like we tease each other, but it's not not anything ever bad. Mm -hmm. And we just – we have this – chemistry that just works and we always joke saying you know you could never have been with anybody else because right. nobody else would put up with your crap
0: sure sure but <laughs> well, luckily you found somebody who would put up with your crap that's nice so yeah. so if we pull back how does somebody either who gets strength from family process this in terms of writing or in terms of mental health of you know, the themes of what we've been talking about or Somebody who doesn't have family, how do they process what you're saying?
1: Oh, that's a very thought-provoking question.
0: Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Abandon ship. I know. <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
1: I don't think I like you anymore. Um, so I think it's easier to process it if you have your family, if your family is supportive. Sure. Um, if you have a toxic family, then it's a lot harder because you don't have that support around you. But When you're dealing, because we're talking about mental health, when we're dealing with our mental health, it's a lot easier to deal with a mental illness while you have support around you. Mm. And if you're lucky enough for that to be your family, all the better. Um, But maybe it's just friends. Hopefully it's somebody. But it does give you a reason to keep going. And that's such a big part of coping is having one reason to keep going, whether that is a family member, a friend, a pet, mm-hmm. somebody who, who's relying on you to get up in the morning and feed them, it gives you that sense of a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a sense of purpose, then there's a reason to get up in the morning, there's a reason to seek help, and there's a reason to just keep on going. Um, and so, w- without family, it does become harder. But, like I said, there, there's pets, there's family, there's friends, there's maybe you really love your job, but there's other things that you can utilize to get that same sort of um, purpose.
0: Okay. Well, so from the professional work that I do, like from, from the day job stuff, what we like to say in terms of service leadership is that, you know, and, and it really is like that's what makes what it is maybe to be human is, is our connections to others. And even if you're a hermit, right, even hermits sometimes need to, to, to connect, you know, like, you know, uh, one of my good friends, he describes himself, like he, des- he, he self describes himself as slightly uh, uh introverted. And sometimes, especially with COVID, it was bad because he's kind of withdrawing even more, but he had like his wife and he has like his community. In his case, it's volleyball of people who, it's like his community, you know, Like you have to find your people.
1: That's a good suggestion. Got to find your people. And I think with the internet now, it's a lot easier. So like my kid, I, I said earlier, he's got autism um, and he has a lot of anxiety. So he's kind of, he's kind of a hermit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't leave the house that often. He's gotten better now. Again, medication therapy, huge help. Um, but he's kind of a hermit. So for a teenager. Yeah. And. The internet has helped so much. He's got a group of friends now that he found. Um, I've even talked to some of their moms online. Just, you know, make sure they're actually teenagers. Right. <laughs> um, right. And you got to be safe. Yep. But uh, he's got a group of friends and they they play games together, like video games together. They'll just sit on a chat together, watch videos together. Like the same things that you would do in person. Yeah. But they're able to do it online because they live all over the place. Most of his friends are American. Okay. And so he wouldn't have been able to find his people here. He never really did. He, he has a couple of friends here that he can see in real life, but really he didn't find his people until he was able to find them online. Right. So that's, it's so nice that that's able to be, happen gotta say, as a mom, I was super worried at first. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some people that I've had to be like, mm, nope, you're not talking to them. That is not a real child. <laughs> but, I mean, if you take the right safety precautions and things, it's it can be wonderful.
0: Okay, so one of the things that a uh, previous guest was also an author, she had written books, um, mostly of children's books, and, and yeah, um, she also is is dealing with uh, a child who, who has autism and she just sort of described you know how in a way you have to invent your treatment or, or the coping mechanism to deal with your child by yourself and you know feeling alone and that kind of stuff so do you feel that with your son like how early on did you recognize that he did have autism and that you know, did you start pulling in the resources to help you cope?
1: So me and my husband, we realized it when he was really young, not necessarily that it was autism, but that it was something. Yeah. It took the system a lot longer to give him that diagnosis. And we went through a lot of hoops and a lot of wrong diagnosis, which is fairly common. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once we finally got it, it was like, it was a relief, because we knew something was up. We knew that he, there was something going on that he couldn't tell us that we needed to figure out in order to help him. Right. Um, so for us, it was this big sigh of relief going, Oh, that's why wonderful. Because now that we know, now we can get support um, because around here, you can't really get the support until you have the diagnosis. Right. I don't know how it is in other provinces or, other, the same. or in America. It's probably the it's same probably all over the, the world. Same. Probably. And so you can't start putting them on wait lists until, for the right support until you have the actual diagnosis, which is frustrating because the wait list alone – are years long at times yeah. so you could be waiting a very long time for help that you already know they need but you just you
0: have to get go through the system yeah yeah
1: yeah. there's a lot of hoops to jump through
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so but once we were able to do that the one thing that was a lot faster was that the school was able to then implement um an iep and I mean, uh, if I could go on about the school. The school
0: uh, is IEP. An I- sh- I- anyway, what's an IEP? I- e- I-
1: IEP. So, Individual Education Plan. Nice. And I-, I think in the States it's called a 504 um, or it's something similar to mm. that. But it's basically how can we support this child in school based on their needs? Mm. And, which is fantastic because they do have different needs. Um, so they were able to put him in a smaller class size. They were able to give him, you know, he can get a scribe to write his stuff down. He gets longer time for writing tests. So there's, there's different things that they were able to put in place at the school level that once the diagnosis was there, uh, that they couldn't do before sure. having the diagnosis, which again is frustrating Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, I know my kid needs this help. Just do it. Right. Um, But I get it from a funding standpoint because it always comes down to funding. Mm -hmm. The government funds our education system, so there has to be certain things in place before you'll get the extra money because when they are diagnosed with something, then they do get a little bit extra for the students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was a big relief. We got them on, uh, as soon as we did that, we got them on a bunch of wait lists. We filled out all sorts of paperwork for all the different programs, and then we we didn't really sit around waiting for, for the wait list. We, we did what we could at home, did tons of research. Um, but it, it really was a big old waiting game.
0: Right. Well, it's it's also, I mean, there's like, uh, what's his name? The, 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 wil- the wilderness survival guy. Um, he's always drinking his own pee whatever his name is. so Oh,
1: he, I think my father-in-law. Bear Grylls,
0: Bear Grylls, that's it. So yeah. Bear Grylls, he's like, he's talking, like he talks about, you know, having to have a certain tenacity that things aren't really given to us, you know, that that we have to kind of have that that will to, to go out there and make things happen. Because to be an author is to actually sit down and to make a narrative happen and to have the commitment to do that. So that's... That practice and that tenacity is obviously inside you. Maybe the same thing that helps you, um, it might be a a strange word to to use to describe the writing process, but to push and to fight to complete a, a work is maybe part of the same fuel that you tap into to kind of push and fight to find the care that your son needs.
1: I actually think it's a great way to do it because sometimes it really is fighting through to get, get your story written the way that you envision it to mm-hmm. be. So I actually, I like that description. Well,
0: well done. Um, you did a great job. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that um, that's very true. And I had never thought about that before, but it, it really did come down to tenacity With it. And at the beginning of the whole journey, it was not knowing what to do. So, waiting for other professionals to tell me what to do because I didn't know. And yes, I was doing research, but there's only so far research can take you. Life, living life, I think, gives a better understanding. So, really reaching out to people who have been there, done that kind of thing was huge um and we talked about it before finding your people that's what i had to do i had to find my people i had to find other parents and now uh most of my friends are parents of kids with something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) because they added when you have to cancel um cancel on the last minute because your kid is having a meltdown they're like oh yeah okay i got it right but you do that with somebody who doesn't get it and they're just like oh you're so flaky right well, it has right, nothing right. to do with that or or just you know you have to be more strict with your kid no that's not it either that's like, not it, gonna it, help yeah, not, not. yeah so it's learning all of these things and finding your people to help you along the way because doing it by yourself is so much more difficult mm-hmm. than finding your people to help you along the way. And now, now when I'm dealing with professionals or the school, especially the school, um, cause at the beginning of this, the school would say, Oh, we're going to put him in this class. Okay. You think that's best. We're going to do this. Okay. You think that's best. And I'm relying on them. But what I've learned over the years, and this is going to sound absolutely horrible, is the school just didn't want to deal with him. Mm. He was he was a difficult child to deal with um, because he had violent meltdowns when the anxiety would get too high. Oh, okay, and, okay. Um, and it's nothing that we could have prevented in the past because we didn't know the triggers. We didn't know, like we were all, all learning this stuff. And so I just kept saying to the school, okay, okay, okay. Because I thought that they had his best interest in mind, Um, but I don't think they did. Now, I don't think they were intentionally trying to push him off on other people, but they also weren't giving him a a true opportunity to thrive in the class that he was put in because they wouldn't give him a long enough chance to adjust to a new class before pushing him to another different class that they thought would be better. Um, And something that is true with most people with autism is routine Mm -hmm. is huge so constantly changing their school environment is not helpful (laughs) yeah that was very difficult to to learn and now when the school tries to tell me things and i mean he's in high school now so it's a little bit easier and uh, the vp there is awesome most of the teachers are pretty awesome um i say no we're not doing that no you're not going to take him out of that class no he's you're going to send the work home (laughs) <laughs> like I don't care anymore. This is what's happening. I know how my kid learns best. I've given you all of his assessments and things over the years. I don't have to just agree with the school, and that was that was something I had to learn yep. because I didn't realize that there was other choices. We even homeschooled for a while. Um, so there there are choices out there that aren't that aren't easy. But once you start learning and find your people and build up that tenacity, build up that resilience to all these stressful situations and dealing with all these professionals, uh, it can get easier.
0: Well, there we go. Um, the, the photos family and you did it justice. Would you like to move on to the next photo? Sure. Right. These, this, the, the podcast just screams by because it's, you know, we're just talking about I know your your backyard. Oh, speaking of backyards, oh, I love these photographs because they're they're so um they're so sweet. They're so Canadian. They're so perfect. Okay, <laughs> so this one's called Horse. Oh yeah, yeah. And so there are these two. Okay, so okay, so the f- first of all, the 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 field, the background, the, the it's not a field, but just the sort of the the environment like a wood, yeah is is just this green it's it looks like a summer green uh, so some low trees high grasses uh, and there're two horses um one well, the one in in the, sorry, in the background uh it's it's like a the medium shot so the horses are in pretty uh, good good size within the photograph one is all white and one is all brown with a black mane the one, the brown and the black mane is a little Larger, and uh, I see two people in the photograph. I can't tell who they are because they're wearing or they are wearing uh, um, helmets and glasses. Yeah, so I mean, please decode this this photo.
1: Um, so I'm undercover. It's me and my kid. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that was last summer. Um, I think it was September. Might have been August. So it was very toasty, warm out, um, and we. Um, went on horseback riding there's there's a lot of different trails around us i wish i owned the horse but i don't we just went to one of the um, places that does horseback trail riding uh i used to ride horses when i was younger when my uncle lived in the area he had a horse farm so loved riding horses and my sister she had she was taking care of a horse before and so she would take my kid to go visit her horse a lot too so we we've both always loved horses Mm -hmm. um not so much my husband. I got him on a horse once. He says he's never going back on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: uh, but is, is,
0: that's all right. Is this riding here under the kind of the the frame, the umbrella of like uh, therapeutic riding? Or is it just you're just riding?
1: Uh, we were just riding. We went on a, a private trail ride. So we had a guide that was guiding us through the the trail ride. But th- you're right. There are a lot of therapeutic benefits of horse riding. For sure. Um and I've looked into it. The problem was that every each time I'd remember to look into it, the classes would be full.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. Later, the because uh, the they do
1: fill up. Yes, but uh, it's it's always a lot easier just to get in for oh, a one-off trip. And actually, my my kid has been bugging me again to book another horse ride. And I'm like, yes, yes, I will, I will. And it was gorgeous. It was a really nice day. It wasn't too humid, and we just we had a really fun time. Oh, and the guide was really nice, and my kid was talking to my guide about what what does the horse do this and that, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really cool.
0: What's the thread that that you would tie from the the first image of the portrait, the second image of you speaking uh, about your first book uh, in that like sort of that hall, and then the second image of you and your husband. (laughs) <laughs> closer than you normally spend time together uh and then this image so like if there is a narrative right like if there is a kind of a, a, a yeah, story th- that connects of course,
1: me. there's a connection um it's things i love
0: okay, okay. <laughs> that, that's
1: the short sweet answer things i love chasing your dopamine I love... yes exactly chasing my dopamine it always comes back to that nice. so i love my family i love speaking i, I love writing um I just, I love to follow my dopamine.
0: So how do you, tra- how do you transpose and, and, and guide your son to follow and find his dopamine? If even though that concept is not necessarily one that he would articulate himself.
1: Oh, so he's super verbal. Okay. Um, he never shuts up actually. Because <laughs> um, some kids are nonverbal right. um, or non vocal. That's, that's a new phrase that somebody had told me which I thought was really cool so non-vocal is they're not using words right. but they're still expressing themselves in different ways so I thought that was super cool um because body language is a whole other language mm-hmm. really so anyways I wanted to share that because I thought that was cool when I learned it but no, he, he is definitely a big follow your dopamine kind of guy too. Uh, he's an artist. So if he's in the art zone, it's like you can't even say anything to him because he's doing art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's actually sold his art for the last few years to help raise money for his service dog, which we got a few years ago. Nice. Um, and he, he gained a little following. So every year he, um, I take all his art. Well, not all of it, but I pick, we pick the best 12 pictures. We come up with a calendar and he sells the calendar. Oh, excellent. Um, and recently he has been um he had this math project that he had to do this year and it was create like a dragon's den presentation and Mm. he came up with this business idea that i thought was amazing and i was like hey you could really do that because i love my kid and i want to believe he can do anything in the whole wide world but i really just don't see him working for somebody else 40 hours a week Mm -hmm. i i can't even do that i've done it and it's just like it sucks the life out of you so (laughs) So I get it. So when he came up with this idea, I was like, wow, that's amazing. You could turn this into a real business. Like I'll, I'll help you turn this into a real business because even though he's only 15, why can't he run his sure. own business? There, there's no reason he can't. And if I can set him up now for the future, that's that's golden as any parent, especially as one of a kid with a disability, like you worry about them when they get older. So the business idea keep you all in suspense so the business idea (laughs) is um gender reveal boxes for the transgender community okay and he came up with that idea and then said in each box they'll get like whatever little goodies magnets buttons whatever Mm -hmm. and there'll be a little sheet a little info sheet that they can share with their friends and family of how to best support them
0: Mm -hmm. oh that's nice and
1: i was like that's amazing and uh because people like to party Mm -hmm. and when you when you come out as a as a different gender um it's a big should be a big celebration it should be a you know you're coming to to embrace yourself sure bring about bring it on back to that first picture to embrace yourself and uh yeah so we came up with that and we're in the process right now of uh, launching the website for it it's called accepting you it'll be at accepting you.ca okay (laughs) Um, great and we He's even got the business cards in. We're getting the first the first uh, products. Magnets and buttons are the first products that have been designed. And we're waiting for the actual um, product in hand. But yeah, it's coming along really nicely. We we're hoping to launch it in June because it's Pride Month. But yeah. I mean, we still have a few weeks left of June. But uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be fully done this month. But uh, it'll be a soft launch this month.
0: I think somebody who listens to you and when I listen to you, you know, there's something entrepreneurial about being an author, right? About sitting there yes. and maybe nonfiction is the more entrepreneurial sort of uh approach. I maybe. I don't know. That's maybe. But you know, just <laughs> just listening to how you express yourself and your energy and even here, just like just being so supportive of your son to kind of go, oh yeah, let's make this. Let's just put it together. And just being activated to kind of just do it like good for you i mean like this is exactly what what makes me happy about the podcast is meeting people who are, who are like that who say well you know what let's just let's just do it
1: well that that's how we roll let's let's just do it i mean you only live once right so let's my husband likes to say go big or go home
0: that's fantastic so okay like i want to give you the last couple of minutes um because it's it's already been an hour which is just astounding it's Is crazy. that fun? I love Time it. Time
1: flies.
0: So how about you just take us on a ride, take us on an adventure, take us to school. How else do we inspire a listener to kind of go, okay, well, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to write that book or start that company or whatever. So I don't even know if that's a question, but how would you answer that?
1: It's a question. <laughs> it, it, it can okay. be a question. Um, I would say... I would say something probably like, why not? Okay. Right? Like, and that seems like such a simple answer. But when you pose that question to people and say, well, why not? Why not now? Mm. Why won't you do it? It gets them thinking about all of the reasons why they shouldn't do it. And oftentimes, they're not very good reasons. The most common reason is well, I have to pay my bills.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, nobody said that you have to quit whatever job you're doing now to go pursue it. You can start a business while still working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot more work, but it's possible. And the goal is obviously to then quit that job and focus fully on the business. But I get it. We got to pay our bills. Um, And that's how I started. I started just slowly. And I still work part time uh, in an office because I'm going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So while, I, while I'm building my empire, <laughs> I, I'm still able to provide the things that I need to provide for the household. And then the other biggest thing is, well, I don't have the time. Well, you're never going to find the time. There's never going to be the perfect time to start a business. There's never gonna be a perfect time to write the book. Never a perfect time to have that baby. Like that's <laughs> that's what it comes down to. But if it's something that you have always wanted to do, then by saying, I don't have the time, all you're doing is wasting the time that you do have. Because we never know how long we have.
0: Right. And, and you know, what about this idea that it's, time isn't something that you have, it's something that you make. So you make time for something.
1: I have heard that. Um, I'm not a big fan of that expression simply because when I'm dealing with, say, my kid or even when I'm having a bad day and I'm depressed, okay, I can't make time. My my mental state won't let me make time. Or if my kid needs me, I can't make time. So, yeah, he's 15. And most days he's cool with saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to play video games. You go do what you want. Like He's upstairs right now playing video games. Mm. And when I go upstairs, we'll do some homework. But there are days when he just, he's having a bad day and he wants mom. And that's totally fine. So if I have things planned that, you know, I think, okay, I need to get the next chapter of this book edited because I've put it in my schedule and I've made time because that's what they tell you. Schedule it. But if something comes up. Sure. Then something else comes up and it's more important. And that's fine. So I'm not a big fan of the make time. Okay. In that way. But yeah, you you do have to put it on your to do list. Okay. If it's not there, it's never going to get done. And if you are a type of person who can make time, then all the more pow- power to you do it. I'm the kind of person that if it's on my to do list, it'll get done. It just might not get done on your schedule, but it'll get done on mine.
0: Oh, Randy Lee. You're the first Randy Lee I've ever met. Well done, you. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Yay, mom. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been really great and have a fantastic summer, fellow Canadian.
1: Thank you. I know it's all, it's warming up now. It's great, isn't it?
0: Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.